you can't see the advantages, the diversity and diverse thought bring to the team, then you actually as a professional are at a competitive disadvantage. Welcome to Think Deeply, Speak Simply, brought to you by Presentium, a show about the art and science of communicating ideas and how everyday leaders unlock their careers with great communication. And now here's your host, Jay Rook. Inclusive leadership is a philosophy which encourages us to share power and decision-making with others, giving everyone equal opportunity to contribute to success and have their voices heard. The byproduct being that employees feel more valued by the company, and it also leads to making better decisions across the organization. In this episode, we are joined by Ash Beckham, an inclusive leadership expert and the author of Step Up, How to Live with Courage and Become an Everyday Leader. Ash talks about what inclusive leadership looks like and how to master that art so that it turns differences into places of connection rather than separation. She also discusses how to use humor as an inclusive tool, how to overcome the discomfort of speaking up in the workplace, and how grace and patience can help leaders move beyond implicit bias and into embracing the full diversity of their teams. And with that, let's welcome Ash Beckham to the show. Ash, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you. We are as well. Ash, you are an inclusive leadership expert, a professional trainer, motivational speaker, and author of Step Up, How to Live with Courage and Become an Everyday Leader. Your story is fascinating. Can you begin by sharing some of your why with us? Sure. I feel like a lot of people, you know, advocacy, there is something that you find or something that finds you. And I felt like, you know, authenticity was kind of my finish line, right? And it's like, if I just live my life as myself in a place that was pretty accepting, like that, that was enough. But then I think you start to see voices of people that are marginalized or people with, that don't have the, you know, privilege or ability or access to power that comes with being able to speak out. And so that kind of became a, felt like a responsibility to me. And I, and I saw some live speaking engagements uh, in my town. Boulder had one called Boulder Ignite, where you have five minutes, they auto advance your slides every 15 seconds. It's, you know, enlighten us, but make it quick. And I, I'm sure you're the same way. Like I could listen as fascinating to me because I could listen to anything for 15 or for five minutes, right? Like talk anything that you're passionate about, I got five minutes for it, right? Because it's more about the person. And I saw this guy and he did this talk on his kind of ups and downs with weight loss. And, you know, nobody in Boulder talks about that. Men certainly never talk about that. And this guy was so authentic and charming and just what he conveyed, which was kind of unique to him, but relatable to so many people. I just loved like the feeling he evoked in the audience. I was like that I want to do. I want to do that. And was it a place in my life where I, you know, had some I like had needed a creative outlet that I hadn't had in a while. And so started doing that. And then the speaking community here is really supportive. So that kind of led to them connection with some TEDx folks and, and they do a, a double blind draw, but I was lucky enough to get accepted into that. And then, and then from there, obviously with Ted behind you, everything kind of took off from there. So it wasn't, well, you know, it wasn't in Toastmasters. Like it was never anything that was intentional. It was always just kind of driven by a passion to, to say the things that we all talk about or the things that I talk about with friends or family to a community that I knew was open and accepting. It's like people don't know until you tell them. So you have to tell them these things in a way that is, you know, palatable and makes them feel like they're part of the solution, not part of the problem. And so it was just kind of a different lens and, and it got some traction and then off it went. Love that story. It's fascinating to me. You know, here we are in 2022. I feel like just generally in that leadership development world, talking about vulnerability as a superpower more than I ever remember growing up. 
Oh, absolutely. I mean, yeah, think about when, when you did, when you saw anybody. Like, I can't conceive of any of my, I was just always a sports fan, any of my sports heroes ever talking about mental health, right? Like yeah. that isn't, that's not something that's happened and, and that related, but you come to the realization, I think maybe it's time, maybe it's people's ability to control their own media more through social or, or whatever that looks like, your ability to be a self-advocate that, you know, we don't need our role models to be perfect. We need them to be real. Like well, that so. endears me so much more to to an athlete or a celebrity is is that honesty because I don't want to know how you're not like me. I want to know how the things that we have in common. And I feel like that commonality is where we start to have, you know, can have real open, honest conversations. Love that. Speaking of your TEDx talk, uh, it, was, it was titled Coming Out of Your Closet, and it quickly became a fast viral sensation. Why do you think it resonated so well with over 5 million viewers? And, and what's the takeaway from it for business leaders? Yeah, well, I, th I think there's a piece of it that that when we get into, especially then, you know, so that was now nine years ago, like DEI work, diversity was a lot of times like, here's how you do it right. Here's how you're doing it wrong. Like, why are you not here? You know, it wasn't terminology in there, but like, why are you not woke enough? Like you say you're progressive, but you can't do these things. You don't know the 56 genders on Facebook. Therefore, you can't be an ally like that that divisiveness. And, and I think, you know, it comes from a place, I think, of communities trying to insulate themselves from discrimination of, of any kind. But to me, it was just always an easier conversation that like, if I can, if I can tell you what it, I can't blame you, if you don't know what it feels like to be me. But if I can share a story where you might know what that feels like, or you've had a similar experience, it doesn't really, to me, matter how parallel the experiences are, or, you know, if the degree of the severity of them, like, if, if we can relate on that, then we can start having conversations, then we can go into, well, this is how it's different. But if we don't, don't start from that sameness, then I think there's an othering that makes it almost inapproachable. And, and I, you know, yeah, of course, coming out is hard, but you've done hard things too. So like, it's just like the hard things you've done, right? And the thing that you're about to do that you're feeling anxiety about, I can relate to that because I've done that too. It, it was just more of a place of connection as opposed to a place of separation that that I thought helped people understand better, you know? And then once they understand, then it's on them to further their education, further their advocacy, their allyship, whatever that is. It's not on me, but there's like some responsibility on me to be like, if you don't know what it's like, let me take a shot at telling you. Yep. Thank you. And although some of the topics you speak can be quite serious, you weave humor into much of your delivery. And, and oftentimes we refrain from using humor in the workplace for fear of saying the wrong thing. And so my question is, how can humor be an inclusive device and how can we leverage it as a leadership capacity? Well, I think it's all about what is the object of your humor, right? Like I, I think in mine, it's somewhat self-deprecating, right? Like I'm, I'm really the hero in my own stories. Like I'm usually the goat that learned a lesson is kind of what that feels like and not like Tom Brady goat, like, <laughs> you know, the goat that doesn't achieve, right? So I think there's that piece of it. And I think there's a difference in like where your humor is directed. You direct your humor at your own shortcomings. I think for me, that's like endearing. And again, that realness and authenticity we talked about when the object of your humor or your discomfort or, or where the laughs come from are on the shoulders, backs of other people. I think that's where it gets complicated, right? I think that's where that is almost by definition, not inclusive. And so, so I think that there's a mindfulness. I think that humor brings lightness a lot of the times in a topic that feels so heavy. And so to bring a, a little bit of that, and, and I think a lot of times that's your ability to see humor in the situations you've been in, right? And almost the absurdity of other people. And when you bring those conversations up as, as absurd as they are, I think that that just kind of eases the weight in the room. You know, it allows everybody to just kind of exhale. And I feel like once we're breathing 
we can learn and we can interact in a better way. I think we're a little bit less defensive. So, so to me, I think it's just really, it's really intentional on, on where that lands and you can, you know, becomes a slippery slope. So to use humor in a way that is constructive in a way that isn't objectifying, I think is, is critical to bring it in into sensitive situations. Not that, you know, it always works, but for me, I think the, the lightness makes harder conversations easier. Great answer. In your book, A Step Up, you make a powerful call to action around challenging and inspiring us to speak, especially when it feels easier to be silent. How do we navigate that discomfort, specifically when we're talking about speaking up in the workplace? Sure. I think, you know, obviously the risk reward in the workplace can be greater for some people a lot of times. And I think what it is, is it isn't about the certain things that we need to speak out about. It's our ability to build our toolkit and, and our confidence in speaking out. So I think we start, it's incremental, right? You start with smaller things, right? I don't necessarily go to my boss with the first conversation about how they're not using inclusive language, right? Like I'm building a relationship with that person and I'm building trust with that person. So when I'm coming to them, it isn't in an accusatory way. I mean, obviously some things you like draw a line in the sand about, but but most of those things are a little bit more nuanced. And so so we need to gain the courage that we have you know, the voice, the capacity, the ability to speak. And so I think we try to do little things. We we send that email to try to develop a mentorship with someone. We do these, you know, it's additive. We're not making these huge leaps and bounds because we have to have the security to be in those conversations and the competence to be in those conversations. So so I think the the easy it's it's practice because what it does is build our resiliency. You know, the systems around us and the the context of it doesn't usually change. It's our ability to face those challenges and come out as we intend on the other side. Because a lot of those things, they, you know, we get either, you know, angry or fearful or sad or whatever, having some of those difficult conversations. And and so we need the resiliency to be able to get through those and see that, that end goal. Thank you. Before we move on, let's hear from our amazing sponsor, Presentium. Do you spend way too much time creating presentations at work? Do you hate the hassle of creating polished presentations for work? If so, I've got an opportunity for you to reclaim your time, reduce your stress, and make your ideas shine. Think Deeply, Speak Simply is brought to you by Presentium. Presentium makes overnight presentations for enterprise customers at a fraction of the cost of design firms and agencies. They have made over 1 million slides and are trusted by thousands of enterprise customers. It is super easy to use. Just email Presentium a rough draft of your slides by 5.30 p.m. and you'll receive a beautifully crafted presentation in your inbox by 9.30 the next morning. Put Zen in your presentations, reclaim your time, and let your ideas shine. To learn more, visit Presentium.com. That's P-R-E-Z-E-N-T-I-U-M.com. And now back to the show. You write about eight pillars of leadership, and there's two that I love to focus on. One is grace, and what you describe as how keeping our higher purpose in sight helps us to stop reacting with fear or anger. And then the second is patience, which you describe as the guidance for disarming our tendency to rush ahead so that we can act with greater deliberation and forethought. Ash, would you talk to us about the role that grace and patience play in fostering inclusivity in the workplace? Sure. I think grace is that, you know, that 35,000 foot view, right? It's that like, why am I doing what I'm doing? Is you know, if if I need to go to a coworker about some implicit bias that I'm seeing displayed by them, or by some ignorance and not you know ignorant ignorance stupidity, right? Like ignorance, lack of knowledge, like just a lack of awareness. Those are prickly conversations, and so is my goal to 
make them defensive? Is my goal to put them in their place? Is my goal for them to understand, like, what is the point of what I'm doing? And I think in almost every context, our goal would be for their professional development, right? Like, we want them to be a better leader. We want them to be a better team player. And inclusivity inevitably is part of that, right? Because if you can't see the advantages, the diversity and diverse thought bring to the team, then you actually as a professional are at a competitive disadvantage. So what is our big goal and, and how do we get there? And sometimes calling people out in public in front of everybody else isn't going to get them where we want them to be, right? And so there is this nuance. It's like, you know, I think they say, if, if all you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail, right? So it's this toolkit that we can use depending on the situation. And being it isn't manipulative, it's just being very focused on what our long-term goal is. Because again, these sensitive topics, we get heated and emotional, and we're not necessarily equipped to maintain focus on that long vision. And and the way we act very much affects the path that that relationship will take in the future. And so I think what we want to do is have continuing conversations. So I feel like grace just gives us the ability to like, it's not about me. It's not about this one incident, right? It's about both of our professional development and the wellness and the success of our team. And how do we get there? And sometimes it isn't, you know, the straightest line from A to B. Yeah, great answer. If someone out there is listening today and knows they need to lead with greater inclusivity, but they don't know where to go, what does step one look like for you? I think it's about self-reflection, right? Like, where am I? You have to, you know, you can't figure out where you want to go until you know where you are. And so we all have those implicit bias, right? It's no one's fault where they've been, right? It's, but you have a responsibility in where you want to go. And so how do I look at the way I'm maybe not using inclusive language? What does that even mean, Right. Who am I excluding? And just because I don't have representation on my team or within my organization, the language that I use can still be inclusive, right? Or it can be exclusive. And so I think it's it's constantly, I think leaders need to do that, individuals need to do that, teams need to do that, organizations, like who are we leaving behind? So I think there's an assessment. And I think once we become aware of those things, it's about education because it isn't, you know, the responsibility of marginalized groups, not the responsibility of LGBTQ people to end homophobia or people of color to end racism or people with disabilities to end ableism, right? Like it's our collective responsibility. So your role as a leader is not only to advocate for the group that you're a part of, but if you have the power of a leadership position, then you have tremendous impact on making sure that viewpoint is represented and other people that you ally with, right? People that you're not part of, but you want to stand with are there too. So I think there's a lot of education. It's so it's so buzzy right now and, it, and it's everywhere and you can get so many perspectives that just starting that self-education piece is, you know, it's like the reflection, the education, and then you just have to practice. Like you just have to dive in. You're, it's not, you're not going to do it. It doesn't happen on paper or by yourself in front of your laptop, right? It's about like being with humans and like you're going to screw it up. You just are, it's inevitable. Like if you're not pushing yourself in those ways to stretch your abilities, then you're just never going to grow. So be prepared for that and be in an environment, especially in those practice places where people know that's what you're trying to do and they trust your gut and have the ability to give you the feedback you need to, to get better and improve. Ash, is there anything about today's theme that you want to discuss that we haven't covered already? Oh, we, you know, I stuck on grace for a little bit and I just think that patience piece is, is just so important. And it is, I would say probably my least strong tool, my least sharpened tool in my toolkit. Um, but I think it's because if we live in this world, right, where everything's so fast, just happen to have, you know, 
you almost don't even care if the decision is right or wrong because you got to get on to the next decision. And I think, again, when, when you're in a leadership role and you're getting that bigger view and you have that strategy, just taking a breath. When we start to do these, uh, we start to have these practices, we really hone our gut, right? We know when we, we start to feel when somebody is excluded. We, it becomes almost reflexive, right? It's a, it's a practice in general. And so the patience is just taking a moment and, and it's not weeks. Like I appreciate that it, that it happens, but it's a breath. It's a, it's a coffee break. It's a lap around the building. It's getting out of your chair and walking into the kitchen, right? It's changing your perspective long enough to be sure this is the way that you want to move, especially when we're going through, when we're starting to practice this inclusivity before you hit, like eventually you just have to hit send on the email. But you know, you all, we all know we've all sent, sent that one email at 11 o'clock at night because we have to get it off knowing full well that at 6 a.m. we would have written it a little bit differently, right? So that it's that taking the time and we get quicker at it, but, but knowing that an extra beat is always, is always helpful in these topics that we're unsure how to broach. Like again, it just, it just takes a second. So that would be the only other thing. Thank you. This is a question we ask of all of our guests on the show. Do you think a great business communication is more of an art or science and why? I mean, obviously, you know, both, but I I would say overwhelmingly art because to me, it isn't going to be authentic if it isn't, doesn't feel like it's directly from you, right? Like it isn't going to, it isn't going to resonate. It isn't going to be true if it isn't directly from you. And that's the beauty of art to me, right? Isn't, there is no one way to do, I mean, I'm like, ter- I draw stick figures about as well as my four-year-old, right? <laughs> Art in the context, but it is my expression. And that's what communication is, expression. And you can be intentional about the way that you do it. And I think it's most effective when it's genuine to you, as opposed to following some script or some some list of bullet points. So I think there's, you know, certainly things that are universal in communication, you know, respect, things like that that exist. But I would say overwhelmingly, I would lean towards the the art piece, the nuance. And, and to me, that also empowers that everybody can do it. Like you're not predisposed to not do it. You have the ability to do it if, if you see your own strengths in it. Love that. What advice would you have for aspiring business leaders who want to improve their communication? Practice. Do the thing that you feel uncomfortable doing. Like if it's being more authentic, if it's being more direct, if it's speaking up in meetings. And then for some people, <laughs> if it's shutting up, right? <laughs> like like there's a lot of times where the, that silence is good. Or if you're the one that's always speaking, chances are somebody else's voice is not being heard. How do you use that? But to know that the, the power of communication, if you're speaking, not just for yourself, but the power of communication of your team so often is not representing somebody else's voice, but taking the power that you have to give them the microphone or them the platform to be able to speak for themselves, I think is is huge. So I would say we just, whatever makes you uncomfortable in communication, just start doing it, right? And I'm not in the highest risk situation you've ever been in, right? You don't just all of a sudden go no notes in a presentation to the entire company, right? I mean, we do it again, it, it's little, but you have to do something. We can't expect change if we're not willing to change. So we have to do that thing to be just a little bit uncomfortable because again, then that that ceiling becomes your floor. And that's how we move up through the process. Thank you. Where can our listeners connect with you online and follow more of your content? Absolutely. So on my website, ashbeckham.com or on Twitter, ashbeckham, LinkedIn, ashbeckham, Facebook, same. Instagram, I was a little late to the game. So it's at the ashbeckham, but I'd love to interact with folks and, and answer any questions and keep the conversation going. Ash, on behalf of myself and all of our listeners, just want to say thank you so much for sharing your wisdom today and all the thoughtful preparation that went into your answers. Uh, I appreciate it so much. And thanks for all you do. I think, it, you know, the idea of thinking deeply and, and making it simple is just so, 
such a needed piece of communication in, in our world today, specifically in the business world. So I love what y'all do. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Inclusive leadership is an approach that goes beyond the scope of what most people think of as leadership. It is creative, collaborative, and a compassionate approach to decision-making. It does not focus on hierarchy or power dynamics, but rather provides open systems where everyone can contribute ideas, ask questions, give feedback, and even question authority without fear of judgment or retaliation. It's about helping teams get the most out of themselves and each other. In this regard, Ash emphasizes that when we speak with authenticity, our differences can actually draw us closer as trust and respect are being built. She also talks about how humor can bring lightness to difficult conversations and that our goal in communicating to our team should not be to call them out and put them in place, but rather to foster their personal development. And in this, grace and patience are qualities a leader must focus on to better develop. Finally, Ash advises us to run towards and start doing whatever it is that makes us feel uncomfortable, whether it be speaking up in the workplace or beginning to address any implicit bias that we may hold. Thank you for listening to another episode of Think Deeply, Speak Simply. To learn more about the art and science of communicating ideas, visit our thought leadership library at presentium.com.